Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. However you like to do it. Indoors. Outdoors. In the gym or playing the field. You know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At LifestyleSports.com. Hello everyone, it is the 68th instalment of this periodical dip into the less reverential side of rugby that is the bloodandmud.com podcast, your sweary pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. I am Lee Calvert, the editor of bloodandmud.com and he is... I am Josh Gordon of rugbyshirtwatch.com I can confirm that I am now the right way up. Those of you yes. who saw my video from Twickenham may have been worried about <laughs> the upside down status of me, but I am definitely... Josh, you can confirm I'm the right way up, can't you? You are, to the best of my knowledge, you are the right way up. Um, before we start, though, um, oh. some, some slightly serious news. Has anyone heard from Courtney Laws <laughs> in the last several hours? I mean, it's getting on to the end of that 24 hours. He's going to be sat next to James Haskell on the way to New Zealand. And I just want to make sure he's OK in a sort of Billy Twelvetrees kind of way. Yeah. I'm quite surprised there's not been a bulletin overnight that there's been an emergency landing somewhere in like <laughs> eastern Russia because two I massive knew. blokes were pelting the shit out of each other because he could take it I no knew. more. I knew that they had stops in Dubai and um, they stopped in Australia as well. So I'm guessing at each of those stops, Courtney literally sprang up out of his seat and ran as far as he humanly possibly could to the other end of the airport away from James Haskell. <laughs> and then basically, you know how like when they get like cattle and loose and they have to get that weird sort of lasso thing and then like <laughs> gradually bring you back. To them. I, mean, I assume that's how they brought him back to the plane with like tasers and one of those lasso things. Yeah. Well, that fella, he's going, Courtney, 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 <laughs> come, come and sit. Come on, let me show you this. This video of me doing something really fucking funny. No let, doubt. Let me show you the iPhone that I just bought in the airport for no reason. <laughs> Weird. 
Yeah, so yeah, Courtney Laws, you know, as, yeah, if you think you've had a bad twenty Dude, last twenty four hours, you've got nothing on Courtney Laws' last twenty four hours, let me tell you. A straw so short that I'm not sure it's measurable with anything other than an electron microscope, to be honest. As you said before we came on, they normally don't pair nationalities together deliberately on these live mm. trips. You can start to get to know each other. But funnily enough, it's an English person sat next to Haskell because I imagine everybody not English went, I'm not fucking what? sitting that. next to that <laughs> for even 24 minutes, never mind a fucking day. And Courtney probably went, oh, I've done it before. <laughs> Yeah. I'll take one first. I've got loads of charge on my laptop. Yeah, These are noise cancelling really big... headphones. Yeah, those those headphones did look impressively noise cancelling. I'm guessing <laughs> that they basically he put them on his head and then he got some duct tape and just literally just masking yeah. tape them to his face. Smiling with his mouth, indescribable despair behind his eyes <laughs> in that photo. <laughs> Hashtag pray for Courtney. Hashtag yeah. Bants on a plane. Oh, uh... If you want to get in touch with us anyway. and share in our Haskell, uh, you know, and Courtney Law's sympathy, then you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud on Twitter or Lee at bloodandmud.com and there's bloodandmud.com and all of that. And how do they get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner and you at Rugby Shirt Watch on Facebook, on uh, Twitter rather. There's rugbyshirtwatch.com and uh, yeah, email and shit. You know the drill. Yeah. Uh, this is available on iCast. No, I can do it every time. It's available on every Acast time. and yeah. Apple Podcasts, what used to be iTunes. You can leave reviews. We've had a review this week uh, which says excellent, irreverent, and very rude. Well, this is this is uh, speaking of rude. All of them, isn't it? Speaking of rude, the person who left it is called Art Sluts, <laughs> which sounds like some kind of hardcore punk female punk band. Yeah, sounds like he sounds like he knows what he's talking about when he comes to rude. Yeah, yeah. A fabulous, sarcastic, and sweary cornucopia of all things rugby-related, with a main focus on British rugby, but lots of discussion about international rugby as well. Reviews of games, gossip, discussions of rules, and the odd interview with equally odd rugby experts. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not safe to listen to around kids because of the language, yes. Uh, but very definitely, yes. en- But very definitely entertaining. Thank you, Lee and Josh. No, thank you, Excellent. Art Sluts, for, yes. leaving that, for leaving that thing. <laughs> so what have you, Josh, what have you been up to? This week, this, this you know, this big weekend. Um, well, I watched the uh, the various finals, and uh, then I was taken away by my good lady wife to uh, a spa hotel, and I spent the last twenty four hours ish broadly in a jacuzzi. So, um, I should imagine that I'm going to be incredibly zen and relaxed and calm for this entire pod. No, I can't even. I can't even. Sorry, I can't even. <laughs> you think. do look a bit woozy, but I can't see that lasting very long. Well. <laughs> Well, I'm more I, relaxed than I usually am, but that doesn't going to stay much. Well, I've been to Twickenham with BT Sport, as you, you know. You were with, at Twickenham with BT Sport. BT Sport, the only, BT Sport, the only place to watch rugby from the Viva Premiership, Rugby Champions Cup and Challenge Cup. It's true. I saw the changing rooms. I went into the Wasp changing room, as you know, and I did a little video of myself by Haskell's shirt. Haskell mm-hmm. had two pairs of boots lined up. That's interesting. And he had all his kit, two pairs of boots. I don't know why. Anybody out there can tell me why. Also, while I was doing a tour, they, they, they showed us the commentary position. It was really interesting, actually, the commentary position. The stats lads, the lads who do the stats, are in a minivan mm. in, like, a compound in the car park with no <laughs> windows, like they're on a stakeout. Uh-huh. And we opened uh-huh. and the, the executive producer said, this is where we do the stats, and they opened it. They were literally like gremlins, like, ah, <laughs> and a light come streaming in. But, uh, <laughs> but it was all very interesting. And then I went behind the BT stage where Tim Cocker of um, Egg Chasers podcast fame was doing the... Um, mm was doing the stage, and I was behind the stage, and there was some lad just outside the barrier, little lad with a, with a bloke passing a ball. And as I was leaving, the lad 
the man looked at me and said to his lad, see if you can get Wayne to sign your ball. Wayne, will you sign my lad's ball? And I went, I'm not Wayne. <laughs> then I walked away going, who the fuck is Wayne? Who did they yeah. think I was? I've been who racking my what? brains all weekend. Please, listeners, help us out. Somebody said, which Wayne at a rugby match could I possibly be? Somebody said Rooney. Bar. I thought that was a bit upsetting. So Barnes? <laughs> somebody said, I definitely can't be mistaken for Wayne Barnes. I've got dark hair and a beard, so I can't, <laughs> so I can't be mistaken for him. But honestly, unless he said Wade, I still got, I'm still, still struggling. Then? Still struggling. Wayne Kerr? I, don't, Kerr? <laughs> I should have just signed it, obviously. Going, yeah, no problem, mate. You know. Yeah. Wayne Wayne Proctor. Oh. <laughs> anyway, if anybody knows, um, please help me out because yeah. I've been racking my brain. If you brains. were that man, who on earth? Yeah. So, yeah. You don't look anything like Wayne Proctor on a level with you. Oh, but... I can't remember what Wayne Proctor looks like either. But yeah, so there you go. Don't, yeah, so please help us out. I don't know. No, so, I, I genuinely don't know. Aside from all this, what have we got coming up today? We've got a little bit of news. We're going to talk about the Lions Tour. We're going to talk about the what we learned from the weekend. A little bit of shit good ratings as usual. Some more Sean Holly songs magic. You've not <laughs> let us down this week either. Certainly not. Um, what else have we got? Some players spotted as usual. Another player spotted, which features one of your great heroes this week. Oh, exciting. Yes, indeed. And we'll have all of that and maybe someone else if we think of it. But that's generally what we're going to be talking about. First of all, let's talk about some news Rob Ward mm. got in touch on Twitter, and he said uh, a bit of news that I hadn't noticed. Sussex scored the last play try at Twickenham in the county championship to level the game mm. 29-29 in the last second, only yeah. to find out there was no extra time and lost on try scored five tries oh, to four. Oh, oh, that is a heartbreaker, isn't it? I mean, in many ways, that is a more sensible way to end a game of rugby than making them play another 30 minutes when they're absolutely fucking shagged. But um, I think they have to do that if they're level on tries, don't they? Yes. That's yeah. the thing. Uh, yeah, and as we said, big, big news that was sent to us. Thank you for this link from WCM1 on Twitter. You know they're going off, the Lions are off to New Zealand this weekend yes, to play against the, are. what are they called? Um, the New Zealand Barbarians or something, isn't something it? Something like that. Um, so, and that's in Wangarai. Wangarai. Wangarai, yeah. Wangarai, whatever. Fuck knows, we're the wrong people to be trying to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, sorry, I'm doing it the Welsh way, but uh, Wangarai. <laughs> but uh, they, anyway, not a big town. Nope. So, welcome to small town New Zealand, he says. And this is the link from the, the news from the Northern Advocate, which is their local newspaper. The Wangarai District Council Venues and Events Manager, Gary Parker Nance, <laughs> which is definitely a made-up name, by the way, <laughs> yeah. said, said those coming to the game should note what they could and could not take into the stadium. Banned from the stadium are commercially prepared, commercially prepared food, soft drinks and alcohol, strollers, large bags, suitcases, large flags, banners with a religious, political or offensive content, advertising materials, umbrellas, large cameras and recording equipment. You can basically walk right. in with the clothes you're wearing and that's it, yeah, I think. that is it. So they're obviously big on rules in the Wangarai District Council. They love, they love a rule, don't they? God. Small amounts of non-commercial food can be brought inside the stadium for personal consumption and plastic bottles of up to one litre of water will be allowed. Define non-commercial food. <laughs> it must have been a packed lunch, but you yeah. have to have made it yourself and it has to be yeah. cling film. Yeah, you can't, have, you can't get a fucking meal deal and bring that in. <laughs> no, no. Absolutely no chance. <laughs> um, 
He said, items such as umbrellas and baby prams would be taken off people upon entry and returned after the game. Can you imagine the chaos? Oh, God, I can imagine the chaos. Well, that is my anybody umbrella. Who's... That is not my pram. Seriously. Yeah, anybody who's ever been to uh, a theme park of any kind of bent that, and you have that thing outside where everyone parks their prams <laughs> to go on the ride and then somehow they have to fucking work out whose pram is who at the end and it's a fucking chaos. Imagine that, but with about 30,000 people. Yeah. He's also, and then the, the transport, it's just, it's going to be chaos. The transport, buses yeah. will run from Kamo, Onarahi, Manu, Tikipunga, Otangare, Raumanga and Morningside. The buses will be free for match day ticket holders only. You know, because right. it'll be chaos. You, you've got to have rules as this man is Clearly, Amply they are run this like a military operation, aren't they? Taxis are an alternative option for after-match party-goers and those who don't want to drive into town and look for parking spots. A1 Cabs, <laughs> which is the only cab company in Wangarai, is, is putting all 16 of its taxis on the road. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, oh, A1, God. and A1's operations manager, Sean Williams, said a busy Saturday was in store for his drivers. The company would normally have, quote-unquote, nowhere near that number of taxis available on a Saturday night. And he said, the demand will be similar to anywhere where an exceptional event is taking place. There will be two drivers per taxi, and they will adapt their work according to the demand. How does that work? Two drivers per taxi. They can't split a taxi in half, so how can they... No. Can I just say that Akara Park, which I'm guessing is where... They're going to be playing this game in right. Wangaree as a 30,000 person capacity, <laughs> and they've got 17 taxis. <laughs> no, 16 taxis, correction. But they have got Sorry. two drivers per taxi. I don't understand how that's going to work. No. I don't see how no. that's going to make. That doesn't make more taxi drives, does it? No, it's. No. I don't get it. Oh, I love this. There's, there's another taxi phone called Kiwi Cabs, and this is how the story ends. The no- <laughs> That's a bit on the nose, isn't it? Yeah. The Northern Advocate tried to reach Kiwi Cabs, but neither of their two directors was available for comment. They're not getting involved in this. It's madness. Nope. They're, They're going away for gone. the weekend. They don't. Yeah. They want no part like of that it. For a game, soldiers, lads. I'm going to go and get pissed and watch the rugby. <laughs> yeah. So Wangare seems. I don't know. Like, what would you say? The sort of. Kiwi version of Clandrindod Wells. Seems and they've never seen like, anything like it, it in I don't, their life. I don't, I don't want to, to, to insult anybody who yeah. happens to be from Wangaray, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's, yeah, lots of rules. That's the way to solve it, I think. So mm, thank you very much so. for that news being brought to my attention. I was giggling all the way through reading it. So <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. So any fans going there, let us know. <laughs> if, yeah. you, I do, if we've got any listeners who are going there. Adam Reese is going on the tour, isn't he? Is he, is he making it to Wangaray, so. or is he just going to the? Uh... Anyway, if I, I mean, if he's going, he might as well go to the whole fucking thing. He might as well. It's you've a long already, way to go. You've isn't already it? bankrupted yourself to go there, mate. You might as well just 24. go the whole hog and watch all the games. Shall we talk about what we learned from the weekend? Yes, and what a good weekend of rugby it was. Wasn't wasn't say. it just like the semi-finals? Generally, this is what you want the the new month of your season to be like, don't you? An exciting Absolutely. cataclysm. <laughs> Um, so what did I learn? Um, no. I I learned that maybe having a numerical advantage isn't the help that it once was. Right. Perhaps not necessarily starting on the game that you'd think I'd start on, but Champions Cup final playoff on Friday night. Stade Francais were playing against 13-man Northampton at one point. 
and they are playing with fourteen against fourteen men for like after Tom Wood got red carded for like the last third of the game, and they lost. Last week, Leinster played forty five minutes against fourteen men, lost. A month or so back, Osprey played thirty minutes against fourteen and lost. Like, there's an argument to be made that just sort of like in football now, actually. The loss of a man isn't the handicap that it used to be, especially if you're in the lead. The thing, like, the difference with rugby usually is that with football, you can just put everyone behind the ball. And because in football, you can't control possession as easily. All you got to mm. do is get in the way of the ball and it disrupts yeah. the attack. Rugby True. was always different because you can control possession and with territory comes points, is the theory. Yeah. Is the theory. However, I think, it's just defense, defense is so organized now. Yeah, that was point. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and, and defences do most of their work in the narrow channel, in the mm, middle channel. Definitely. That's where all the work gets done. That's where the, that's where the attacks get stopped. You notice that. I noticed that sat there. I was in Twickenham. It's amazing how few times it gets beyond the outside centre, Max. Yeah, definitely. And also, teams are so good now at using the touchline as an extra defender in defending those wide channels that they can kind of absorb that. And also... From an attacking point of view, if you, if you have if you are chasing the game with a man advantage, you can see the pressure and the desperation that gets to attacking teams mm. now. Because you when think they should trade. be doing better. <laughs> yeah, and then and and the pressure builds, and they keep trying to force it and force it and force it, and it just seems to be more and more that these teams are teams are struggling when they've got a man advantage and they're chasing the game, and it's a, it's a very interesting wrinkle that I've noticed particularly this season. Um, what did I learn? Wasp's kicking game swings between non-existent through inexplicable to destructive shambles. It's not great, is it? Honestly, if they, had a sem- if they even had a semi-functioning kicking game, they could have won that match. Yeah. It's, it's weird that they've got two nines who are very similar yeah. and neither of them are kicking nines. And the qualities of both their nines can't be understated. They're both brilliant mm. players, but you do get the feeling that they kind of need a Wigglesworthy. It only explains why they might not be getting international caps. Yeah, yeah, because it's, like, it's not. They're quite both as good live wires, game, and they both, in many ways, they both probably be better off the bench. Yeah. You kind of want somebody to take the game by the scruff, and there was just no control. I mean, particularly when if you've got a ten like Danny fucking Cipriani, yeah. you need somebody at nine. Like they've kind of covered over it by having Gopeth at twelve this season as a sort of calming, controlling influence. But I just think, really, you need. But if you're going to have Danny Cipriani, you need a nine. Looking at the game, the game on Saturday, and I think it's typical of. Because I was there, and and, and mm. what is typical of their tape, they don't actually kick much at all. And then when they do no. kick, it's usually in the wrong position, very badly executed, and probably the wrong kind of kick. Cipriani just doesn't, you know, he just doesn't seem to know when to kick or which kick to do when he does. Because no. it is a two stage process, isn't it? Should I kick now? And what yeah. kind of kick should I do? You know, where should mm. it go? Should I chip it? Should I rubber it? Should I go for the corner? Should I launch it up in the air? It's just. But. They spent so much of the time, if you look at the stats for the game, territory, extra at 70% oh, God, territory were... nearly. Yeah. And, I, and was... I said when I was watching the game, I said to the guy sat next to me, I said, What's it, the football equivalent of somebody needs to put the foot on the fucking ball was what yeah. they had in rugby. They need, somebody needs to get hold of this ball and put them somewhere where they can start building something. 
because mm. all they were doing, wherever was... they get the ball on the field, they just go either out left or out right, then out right, then out. They just keep going. Why? There's nothing that... Yeah, it's the moment that you need your 10 to... And it was interesting, the same thing that happened with Sexton against the Scarlets last week. It's like, there were moments in that game, in that second half, where Johnny Sexton needed to start playing the fucking percentages, kicking for the corners, doing sensible tactical things to take the pressure off his team and put them in a good position to win it. And he just didn't do it. And he was trying to force it left, right and centre. And that was... It was the same with Cipriani. He couldn't... Yeah, no, I'm, amazed, I'm amazed Gopeth didn't step it, but I suppose if you're not the 10, you can't tell your 10 yeah. to fuck off out of the way because yeah, I'm going to put mean, some it, shape it, on this ball. You it know? Was, I guess Dai Young felt like he had to leave Cipriani on because he would much rather have had Beal at 12 and Gopeth at 10 in that game, I think, if we're brutally honest. Yes. Um, he didn't have that option, so he kind of had to, to, to stick with what he had, but I think the fact that he didn't shift... Gopeth 10 at some point in that second half was a bit of a miscalculation. However, speaking of other things I learned, mm-hmm. I learned that Dai Young is too fucking honest for his own good. <laughs> Isn't he just? Yes. Oh, I mean, I think I've remarked on more than one occasion on this podcast that for an ex-front rower, Dai doesn't seem to be a man well, like, he doesn't seem to be that bothered with dark arts or, you know, scrumming the opposition off the park. He basically wants to play Harlem, the Harlem Globetrotters mm. rugby CB presumably has always dreamt of but never actually been able to do um, and yeah he showed it again with his scrum under pressure and with the option to go uncontested in extra time any other coach in the land surely would have cynically gamed the system and yeah. given himself a massive advantage but Dai fair play to him respected the integrity of the game and also respected the contest at the scrum and it ended up costing him the premiership which is a bit sad to be honest, and he, but he deserves massive credit for it. Because I felt very sorry integri- for him. Go on. Yeah, well, integrity isn't too much in evidence on the sidelines in rugby these days, let's face it. I mean, we're still waiting to hear the results of that investigation into Rabbit Slomani in France in the Six Nations, which has weirdly vanished. But um, That's yeah. never coming so out again. Deep. No, it, we're never hearing about that. They're just going to whitewash the shit the, out the of it. The anyway. is a code name for the shredder. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it is. But yeah, it's 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 rare that you see a coach going, no, we're not going to do that. I'm gonna I'm gonna weaken my team and weaken my chances of winning because it's the right thing to do and it shows respect for the game and fair play to him. Yeah, and he ultimately lost on a collapsed scrum. Matt yeah. Holland, bless him, his yeah, elbow pointing and, straight at the floor. And there was a cruel irony in that because yeah. Any most other coaches would probably have sent it to uncontested scrums, and he never would have had the chance. So, hmm. Hmm. Um, yeah. Coming back to that thing about how they play, I learned that Wasps play far too much one-out rugby. They kind of yeah. spin two passes, and one person runs up, and nothing much. And the two times that they didn't do that, they scored either side of half time. Hmm. And that's what they... was so frustrating. For, would have been frustrating for the fans, I imagine, is that if they could have put some kicking on the ball to control some territory. Yeah, they wouldn't have had to been doing that one out running yeah. from their own ten meter line, which is what they were doing over and over and over yeah, again. It was v- it was very weird to watch, wasn't it? I just... Yeah, you can't play Super Rugby without having a kicking game, you know. Or you can <laughs> like... maybe do two drives of it and then go right, give me the ball, you know. Let's, yeah. I've got a better position now. I can see where I'm kicking. But you, you... yeah, they just kept going. And to be fair, both teams did it. Both teams did mm. it quite a bit. The difference is that Exeter have got such a good pack that they will just go around the corner on you all day long, particularly with their bench. Yeah. 
and it's quite effective. But Wasps just haven't really got the nastiness in that back row and in the pack to to really do that that effectively, I don't think. No. Uh, anything else you learned? Uh, yes. Um, here we go. The higher the heights they reach, the more problematic Exeter's branding becomes. Um, anybody who listens to this podcast with any kind of regularity will already know. You'll have known this Exeter, was coming. Let's yeah, be honest. And, you know, I, I, when it comes to Exeter making news, I am unable to bite my tongue about the fact that everything about the club's branding is, and there's not really, at a bare minimum, it's racially insensitive and backward. And if we're being honest, it's a bit racist. Um, and yeah, Saturday was the most biggest and uncomfortable glorification of their problematic branding yet. I mean, Twickenham was filled to the rafters with thousands of fans dressed up in fucking war bonnets and face paint, screaming chants that to, at the very least play into some massive cultural stereotypes. And with a mascot that, I'm sorry, he's a straight up fucking racist caricature running up and down the sidelines <laughs> trying is. to get him G'd up. A rubber it's, tomahawk it, and everything. Yeah, with Awful. weird, you know, with with funny eyes and uh, yeah, um, he's basically yeah. he's he's a he's a gollywog in a rugby yeah, kit. Yeah, he is, and it's it was fucking hard to watch, and yet the entire rugby press seems to have just ignored it in favour of praising them for being a model club and an inspiration and example to others. But the like, thing is, that's true as well. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, it is. That's the but problem. Like well, not the problem, those... but that's that's why they get the praise because that yeah, is also but, true. And, uh, it is, and it, it is the fucking fly in the ointment of how brilliant a club they are because they are a fantastically well-run, admirable club in every way. I spoke except... to a number of their fans outside the ground, right, and they're the loveliest mm. people you could speak to. You know, they were nervous yeah. as hell because they desperately wanted to win this after what happened yeah. last year. Really down to earth people. They'd all travelled up. They were just really friendly and really all together. Mm, but brilliant. all stood there in war bonnets and, and and all of that. And it was just like yeah. really lads and late lasses. Why? And and this, the thing is, like those same journalists that don't say anything about this and would and don't even and gloss over it merrily. And like if somebody shouted something racist or homophobic from the stands, they would write thousands of polemical column inches saying that it had no place in our sport. Mm. And how, this isn't really that much different. But And then it's being held up as being sort of a facet of how brilliant and laud, laudable Exeter Chiefs are. But, like, it, it baffles me because the facts are the facts. Like, they've been condemned. Not, it wasn't even 12 months ago that academic from what it said, Southampton University basically said that their branding and even their name, which I think is probably a bit far, would be regarded as offensive. I think we've said it before. Their name fine. would be fine if they just tied it yeah, that's, to in my opinion. Celtic yeah, I think or whatever it would she, have been. She yeah. disagrees and thinks that the name is even... But like, Even without considering the club on an individual basis, like, non-native people wearing war bonnets is almost universally regarded by the various Native American tribal groups as being offensive and disrespectful due to the fact that the, you know, the war bonnets have massive cultural and religious significance to them and they're not basically fucking dress up like listen that's not me being a fucking woolly bleeding art liberal that's just what they think yeah and like if that makes you as an exeter fan listening or a fan of any team who doesn't have a problem with it listening uncomfortable or angry maybe you need to think about what side of history you're on because it's just if it upsets them and it defends them why the fuck would you want to carry on doing it? Aside from the fact that you like playing dress up and you think that it's fun. It's like, is that really worth offending people for? I think the kind of final 
you know, to put the top hat on it, not to put it, was when the mil, you know, the, the multi-millionaire white man came out at the end who owns it with a big yeah. gleaming white um, yeah. war bonnet on. And it's just like, well, there you go. Yeah. What was I interesting mean, was after that, a lot of people had a go about this last week, last year, saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, it's just some bloody academic somewhere. So they went and spoke to an actual, um, the Devon Live newspaper not long after that. I missed this at the time. Went and spoke to a woman who lives in Devon who's actually of Native American descent. Mm-hmm. It's American. And asked, and she was asked some questions about it. And she said, um, you know, what is the effect on Native Americans when they hear about or experience the club's branding and fans' behavior? So the immediate effect, she said, the immediate effect would be sorrow or even anger and bewilderment. This is a trivialization of a culture, a people in their way of life. It's a product of bad Hollywood films and the disnification of American Indian life and culture. And it doesn't really have any place at a sporting event. And she's not being awful there. She's just saying, look, it makes me feel a bit sad. And can you please stop doing it? It's kind yeah. of... and, and that's the thing. It's like, I don't get why people are like, it, it offends. Like They can say, oh, how many Native American people are in Cornwall or Devon or wherever? What does it matter? Hmm. Well, NBC Sports in America has been broadcasting the Prem this season. And they broadcast the final on Saturday. And obviously that was, you know, the culmination of the season. They probably gave it a relatively big deal. And, you know, mm. it's not, you know, rugby small in America, but, you know, it's a it's a major national sports network broadcasting the premiership final. So there is a very good chance that somebody or several people of Native American descent turned onto that game out of curiosity. And their first ever exposure to rugby was that. Mm. And that's the thing that, you know, I, I know I'm a fucking bore about it, but I try not to just <laughs> go on every week. But it was somebody, weirdly, who was in America who listens to the pod who sort of mentioned that it was that they were watching it on it. And it's just, it made me think, fuck, there are people in America watching this live. And, and it we, may want very well our, be we want to grow first... our sport there. Yeah, exactly. If, if we, possible. We're, we're obsessed with we're a sport that's so determined to grow globally, and particularly in the States. And they sell in itself as this welcoming and inclusive sport that welcomes everyone. And then that. And it's like, yeah. it's such a weird blind spot. That the, the, we, the lady in the paper. Uh, sorry, go on. Like, because everybody loves everything else about Exeter, they just don't want to see it. They don't want to accept it. Yeah. But it's fucking true. And it's possible and it's, to love them. And still say that's yeah. out of order. You need to sort it out. Because I, I was there when I was there on Saturday. You know the noise they were making. Leaving aside the the tomahawk thing, just generally the mm. noise they were making. You know they they were there in numbers. They were at the ground far earlier than the Wasp fans. Yeah. They were loving They're it. You know, brilliant, great, great, great story. You know, it's wonderful. But as this lady said when I interviewed last week, you know, asked the question. As a person of Native American Indian heritage living in Devon, what's your experience of it? This whole thing, but does it does it matter in Devon? And she said, well, like everybody living in Exeter, I've watched the Chiefs rise with great enthusiasm. However, when I went to my first match, the equation was completely spoiled for me. It was as though I was returning to the bad old days of my childhood when schoolmates made fun of my Native American name and taunted me. First of all, it made me feel embarrassed, and then it made me feel angry. And it's like, well, you know, this isn't just some odd person deliberately being awkward. She's just telling you how she feels about it, and she can't be the only one. And anyway... Don't do it. There's no need to do it. No. As we've discussed on many occasions, their branding does not have to remain that way, aside from the fact... The only reason that it does is, A, money, and B, the simple truth is that they like it. They don't care that it's racist because it's fun. 
because they get to dress up like Indians and do the chants and it's all a good laugh. Yeah. But and that's not a good enough the, reason. That's not a fucking good <laughs> in enough any, reason. In any in a million and years, yeah. It's like, you know, we get slated as being fucking miserable and negative about rugby all the time and we always say it's because we fucking, you know, we grumble about it because we fucking love it and we want it to be better. And this is kind of the yeah, as as perfect an example of that as I can imagine. I want Exeter Rugby Club to not be an embarrassment to rugby because of stupid racist branding that diminishes our entire sport now that they're the fucking champions of England even more so. And it's not why should we think that it's cool that we only upset a few people with the way that our club is branded, you know? It's like if upsetting one person should be cause for concern, let alone an entire fucking ethnicity. And yeah, I just don't well, get it. I don't like it. I'm sure that everybody will. out there will agree with us and you particularly on that one. So there'll be no need to get in touch with us with your views on that. Cause I'm sure that everyone <laughs> will be four square behind us on that. Oh, I can't wait. Um, we we yeah. try not to keep visiting it quite as much, but when it was no. quite so blatant on Saturday and the whole world yeah. was watching, it did feel a little bit cringeworthy at best. Yeah, it felt but, like a weird, horrible And throwback. it takes away from the incredible achievement that that, that club has mm. done. That's the other really sad thing for me. I suppose people will say, yeah, but you're the only one taking it away because you're the only one going on about it. But I'm sorry, we'll probably continue to go on about it because... You know, we're awkward like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm, I've, I've kind of, I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm, ne- I'm not reviewing or covering anything to do with Exeter on Rugby Shirt Watch until they change their branding anymore. Because I've just, I can't do it. I can't keep saying. But I bet their CFO the, is look, shitting himself now. I, I, it, exactly. Nobody gives a shit. I think. But as a, as, like, a, a, I bet they really care what we're saying. Don't yeah. They? No, I know that no one cares. I know that it won't make any difference. But like in good conscience, I can't go. Look at this rugby shirt that is a little bit racist. It doesn't... Yeah. I just don't like it, and I can't get on board with it. So I'd rather never talk about them ever again, but we can't because they're the champions of England and they're a really great team and a great club. So Yeah, and great fans. They don't... You know, Fantastic I'm not saying they, they're, they're, they're all not shit. Racist. They're not. They're they just, just don't understand. They want to enjoy their match day experience. Of course they do. Yeah. And they did enjoy it on Saturday, but I have to say... What did we learn on Saturday? In fact, what did Saturday was another instalment in what did we learn from all rugby ever, which is in capitals, always take the points. <laughs> when is not taking the points ever? It's like cricket, always bat. Yeah. You know, you bat. That's what you do if you win the toss. Yeah. If so if there's five minutes to go and you're twenty points to seventeen down and you win a penalty just to the right of the posts. Take do you scrum or point. do you kick for the post? Yeah. Well, Exeter decided to have a scrum. Yeah. Kick the point. And what's really... It's wrong on so many levels. One, you kick the points, it brings you level again. Two, yeah. it changes the entire complexion of the scoreboard and gets the other team probably slightly doubtful. Three, mm-hmm. you get the ball back. Back. Yeah, you get another <laughs> go. It was just... and. Uh, As an extension of that, the other thing I learned on Saturday, that's a general point, the extension is that Exeter massively got out of jail because that oh, penalty yeah. they got in the last few minutes was marginal, marginal, yes, to say the least. I thought it was very least. harsh on Nathan used to be honest with you. Um, yeah, but they were dominant in that game. They'd 
basically held the ball. They'd had the ball for the entire second fucking half, and they'd not really done that much with it. No, because on, on one level, they didn't deserve to win, because with all that possession and yeah. all that territory, they should have absolutely yeah. hammered it. But yeah. it's a final. Um, it was boiling, tension and all that. Yeah. Other things I learned, because we spent all this time talking about the Premiership, because I think it was a significantly more tense game than the fucking Pro 12 final, yes. which was... Oh, the drama was remarkable. Astonishing. Yeah. Yes. The Pro 12 final was astonishing in an entirely different way in that the Scarlets were... That was the be- The Scarlets put in the best performance I've ever seen by a Welsh team in the Pro 12. And I include Ospreys winning the final at, out at Leinster a couple of years, 2012. Jesus. As, even as an Osprey Were you, just, were you a little bit that. sick in your mouth then when he said that? I mean, yeah, fucking bastards. Fuck them. But, um, <laughs> in, you know... <laughs> You've got to give it, take your hat off to them. They were they were wonderful. They were astonishing. What was really what was really bad for me was that I'd left Twickenham and I was going to my mates out in in Islington and I was on the bus and I had it on my phone on the bus with my headphones <laughs> in and kept kind of like punching the air and sh- and like shouting through gritted teeth occasionally. It was impossible not to just like I cheered for the Scarlets for probably the first time in my life on Saturday evening because they were. They were basically showing everyone how rugby is supposed to be played, and they and, were... and, and they did that going both ways. Yeah, they, they actually you know they, they attacked and they showed you that an actual proper organised attack with people who are confident with the ball can break down these. Because Munster yeah. are not a stupid defence at all. You can say Munster defended terribly. I think they... there's there's always that question mark of well, what causes that. You know. Yeah, I think it. This... You know, it's it's not just something we've learned this week, but over the last couple of weeks. But the whole mantra of defence winning championships, and the days of teams being able to get away with being one dimensional and have a devotion to basically tackling and playing conservative risk rugby, they're sort of coming to an end. Like, okay, the Scarlets defended very well, but the reason that they won that title is because they had an attacking game that made the allegedly impregnable defences of Leinster and Munster look very ordinary. And Exeter were the same, you know. Sarri's relentless defence just couldn't contain them for the entire game. I mean, 10 years ago, teams like Munster and Leicester uh, Leicester were winning titles on the basis of a strong set-piece defence and not a lot else, and it's just not enough anymore. And I think the thing about that Scarlet's performance as well, if you could very cleverly with video superimpose sort of Crusaders shirts on everybody on the field, people would all be be wanking themselves off all over the place and posting it on Twitter and saying what a magnificent, you know, look how yeah. brilliant this rugby is. Because that's yeah, what it was, because it was absolutely incredible. And they, then they defended bad, as well. Yeah, like, just, there were moments in that, the, the thing where James Davis scored his try, one of the most impressive things I saw in that entire game was the speed in which he picked that ball up and transferred it from the hand that he picked it up with to his other hand so that he could hand off the player as he was going over the line. He literally did it in one movement as he was picking it up Mm. in about a quarter of a second. And it looked so simple, but it's such a fucking hard skill to do without dropping it or fucking it up. And it was just... Yeah. Coming back to my point about Wasp's kicking game before, Danny Cipriani could do with watching Reese Patchell and attempting to Mm. learn something. Because oh, that try, that kick for the try for Liam Williams's try, that wasn't a desperation kick. That wasn't we, we might as well fucking try it because there's nothing else on. That was a yep. I can see you there and it's going up. It, it was mm. just proper proper rugby. Yeah, and he uh, 
I mean, he basically left the Blues because he wasn't getting game time at 10 behind Gareth Anscombe. And yeah. yeah, he's been an absolute revelation this year. And he's such a talented player. And he's such an intelligent player. And I think it speaks volumes to the way that Wayne Pivak has recruited for that Scarlets team. He doesn't. He's not so much bothered about the biggest lads or even the quickest lads. Like hmm. he clearly, there are two things that he clearly prioritizes, and that is awareness and reading of the game and handling. Because you look at all of those Scarlets play, all the forwards. They can all they all handle the ball so well and so comfortably, and you know the answer, some of the little interplay that they always do in the wide channels, like for, which they've scored fucking shitloads of tries as a result of. It's just it's that sort of calm uh, handling under tri- pressure. That sort of triangle formation that they have in the outside, sort of five yeah. ten meter channel, which they do all the time. So obviously yeah. that is something they work on. That doesn't come out of nowhere. They obviously no. that's the attacking structure that they work to yeah, and but look it's what it does so hard to defend against when they break they break in that formation because it leaves that outside wing defender on so like on an island and, and they always give the ball in exactly the right time so they don't get tackled so they can pass and keep going because and there really yeah. is an art to that because pass cause really if, you, if you leave it a bit too late you're going to get tackled anyway because they're already mm. committed but there's an art to drawing them in enough so you can pop it but keep running yeah, and it then sounds really simple, and the professional sound, and, fucking rugby players, yeah. but it's amazing that it doesn't happen. No, and it was a, they've been a joy to watch over the last month, and it's yeah, it's they they're thoroughly deserving champions. They Munster didn't. What can't happen now? What can't hmm. happen now is that they use this as some kind of. I mean, Wales as a a, a union use this as some kind of excuse to ignore the fact that there's still problems. Because oh, the easiest thing I mean, to do would be go, look, look how Scarlet's just played rugby and they're champions and who says we can't compete? Yeah, And that'll be the easiest thing to do is to say, well, actually, so everything's fine. And you could already see it happening on Twitter on Saturday night. You know, journalists that I respect and trust basically say, no, I guess the Pro 12 isn't so bad after all. I guess Welsh rugby isn't so bad after all. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Scarlet still made a two million pound loss last year. Yeah, and that is on a supposed fucking salary cap of four million quid is alarming, <laughs> to say the least. Um, you know, yeah, they've you know they've lost basically half their playing budget is basically debt that they've accrued in the last year. Yeah, not one of the not one of the regions made a profit last year. The Ospreys made a very small loss, and fair play to them for that. It was like forty grand or something. Yeah. But still, there are you know the whole the Blues being taken over by the WRU thing now isn't happening because Cos, fucking people Cos are names. throwing their toys out of the fucking pram about it because they're going to take the Cardiff name away. Boo fucking who get over it. Um. And it's you know the Welsh rugby is still in a fucking state. And in the same way that Connacht winning the league last year didn't suddenly make them equals with yes. Munster and Leinster and Ulster in the pecking order of the Irish rugby setup, as this season has proved, you know, yeah. Wales winning 12. While it's brilliant and it's a massive boost for Welsh rugby to have a Pro 12 winner for the first time since And to win it like that. 
because it and was a it fucking like hiding. Style, let's, let, let's forget, not forget, it was a hiding. And if yeah. it hadn't been for that interception try, it would oh, be... God, it would have it been an been absolute mullering. Even, it was anyway, but even worse. For that. Yeah. yeah, no, it would have been a, a, a humiliation. I mean, it kind of was anyway, but well, yeah. And, you know, it's the same sort of thing when, when the Ospreys were winning titles, they sort of used it as a bit of a, oh, well, the Ospreys won the league this year, but all the other regions are shit. We can't, like... It can't be just left, you know, one region doing well can't be the sort of benchmark of success for Welsh rugby. They all need to be doing well. Otherwise, Welsh rugby as a whole will suffer. Not everyone can win the league every year. No. But, you know, three of those four Irish teams every single year are all competing for the playoffs. And that's kind of what Wales needs to be aiming for, you know. The Blues, the Scarlets, and the Ospreys should all be in the hunt every year. And it's just not the case at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, so... that's a, a very wonderful negative spin on a very happy story <laughs> about Walsh Rugby for once. No, but it was an incredible no, uh, performance. Uh, was, and I suppose they've been building to it for some time. It, it. it was so exciting and so... You know, even as a fucking Ospreys fan, even hating the Scarlets as I do, it was genuinely delightful to watch um, a Welsh team play like that. The really depressing thing, I suppose, and I'll say, is a juxtaposition between that and how the national team plays. How does the national team get to that? Because that's how they're going to be truly competitive, playing like that. But, you know. Well, how does the national... I can give you a very, very short roadmap <laughs> for how does the national team get like that. It's called hire Wayne Pivak as your next head coach and make Stephen Jones the attack coach. Yes, because it Stephen doesn't, Jones, come, out, it doesn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. I'm very... It's so sad that Stephen Jones pulled out of he was going to go on to the um, go with Wales in the summer, right? To be there to be Robin McBride's attack coach, and it would have been very interesting to see what he could do at Test level. Admittedly, in a very short time, maybe maybe he didn't go because they basically said, "Yeah, yeah you can implement Rob's game plan," and he went, "Yeah, you're right." <laughs> I am not putting my name to that. Thank you very much. <laughs> I want to have a career. A player as functional as Stephen Jones was, and let's not beat around the bush. He was, you know, the one of the damn bigger of his time in terms of his ability to fire a backline hmm. has turned into such a fucking good attack coach. That happens but that, though, doesn't it? Do you remember? Because it, yeah. it, and it happens in like football's got some really good examples, like George Graham, who managed that incredibly boring Arsenal team in the seventies, was a right proper champagne footballer. It's funny how it. Uh, yeah, it's weird how that works out. Isn't it happens, it? isn't it? Uh, right. Anything else you learned from the weekend before we? Um, draw I this learned to a close? that they could uh, ring fence the Premiership tomorrow if they really they could add two teams and ring fence the Premiership tomorrow because the, everyone's saying extra proof that Premiership should never be ring fenced bollocks. Leeds and London Irish are the only two clubs outside the top flight that have any potential to be vaguely competitive at the top level. If they ring-fenced it for five years with after expanding the, it to those two teams, there'd probably be a better competition overall and probably more stable clubs that don't make such massive losses as a result. Yeah, and they're all still losing money, all of them. Yeah, it's yeah so, you exactly. know, it's, But, you know, that's an even more depressing subject. It was a good weekend this weekend. Why have we ended up talking about, you know, money? It is our way, isn't it? It is our way. We're sorry, everybody. We are very sorry, everyone. We We did actually genuinely love the weekend. It was a great game of rugby. However you like to do it, indoors. 
outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At lifestylesports.com. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Great. Speaking of things we love, let's talk Sean Holly songs. Oh, as you know, I always love talking Sean Holly songs. Will Livesey emailed uh, mm. me because it was quite a long one. Why he put it in emails? Because he did the entire Bond catalogue. Sean Holly songs, songs style. So here we that go. I will go oh through God. the uh, Bond catalog. Although point of order, will some of the ones you've done, you've simply took the title of the film and made it a Sean Holly song, and some of them that oh. wasn't what the song was called. But I'll let oh. you go. I'll let it off because it was it was it's a lot of hard work that's gone into this. So <laughs> and he's done them in chronological order as well. Okay. Um, Doctor Doctor Low. Doctor okay. No, Doctor yeah. Lowe. From Ross Owl with Love. Like it. Gary Goldfinger. <laughs> Jake Thunderball. Nice. This one doesn't really work, I'll be honest. You only live Twisser. No, that doesn't work. That. Oh, that doesn't work. It would have worked if it was Twisser. But that's not yeah. how you pronounce it. I like this one. On AJ McGinty's Secret Service. <laughs> Steve, that one doesn't really that, work either. But it's funny. <laughs> Steve, yeah, Diamonds right. Are Forever. Yes, like that one a lot. Uh, Live and Let Die Young. Yes, obviously. The Manu with the Golden Youngs. <laughs> That's a good one. I like them getting two. I like them when you squeeze two in. That's <laughs> nice. The Spy Who Callamaphony. No, <sighs> tough. Yeah, yeah struggling to reach. There. Yeah. Ben Moonraker. For your eyes only. <laughs> now this is where it starts to go wrong. You see, this one's got on in itself. Octoparisi for octopusy. Oh, I, but I like that. Actually. That wasn't what the song was called. Oh dear. Never say gone ever again. <laughs> That's <a very> good <laughs> one. Yeah, I like that. A, a view to Underhill. Yes, like it. License to Reese Gill. Is nice. he still playing Reeskill, by the way? Did he yeah, leave, did he leave Scarlet? he's Cardiff. He's a Cardiff, He's, he's yeah. a Cardiff now, is he? Yeah. Golden Eye Toji. Yeah, like it. Tomorrow Never Tapwise. <laughs> <laughs> Dear me. Die Another Daily. <laughs> yeah. Now, this one is a real stretch, but I love it because it's got, it's got the man in it. Casino Royale Le Brew. <laughs> <laughs> 
And again, that song was called You Know My Name by the late, great, God rest his soul, Chris Cornell. Excellent. Quantum of Solomona. Yeah, I'm not mad keen on that one, but I appreciate the effort. Benjamin Skyfall. (laughs) Well, he's missed a couple out, I think. I think he's left out. Yes, I mean, he's missed out the most re- recent one, isn't he? Spectre, yeah. He said he was struggling with Spectre yeah. and he was struggling with uh, The World Is Not Enough. So if anyone's got any suggestions for Spectre or The yeah. World Is Not Enough. But what was it? No, it wasn't called Spectre, was it? It was that bloody stupid high-pitched voice Sam Smith lad. Uh, yes, it was. I don't even know. Anyway, Fuck what me. have you... That, so Will Livesey, thank you. That was a lot of, a lot of yes. work. Nothing, yeah, a hell of a lot of work. Nothing, nothing at all beats a rugby Croatia man's submission who Holy did the entirety that is incredible. of Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, including all of it. including the outro and everything, <laughs> and the refrain at the end. It's, yeah, I mean... I can't do it. He, it's too much. There's too much of it. What too, I might do... way too much. What I might do is I might download the karaoke track off YouTube and just have me talking over the top of it and run that at the end of the show at some point. I think I'll have to do that. So um, yeah. we'll try that. What have you got for Sean Holly songs after that Bond fest? Oh, I mean, it's, it is... I, I enjoyed uh, Puffin Muncher, which is a bit of an odd name. Brilliant. I'll level with you. Uh, Barry John, My Wayward Son. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant it. because it's an outstanding sort of... Well, the 70s or 80s, Kansas. Uh, Magnificent. 80s, I'm going to say 80s, yeah. yeah. Carry no, on, um, my bar- And I, I as I said, like, I know oh, Barry John's son. That was quite ironic. Yeah. Tom May or another. <laughs> the Blondie classic. Um, what else did we get? Uh, it started with Les Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, uh, I think a lot was, of people saw the Rugby Croatia submission and just decided to turn it in. Because it was just... You mean that, yeah. I liked Karma, 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 George Gregan. <laughs> oh, God. By Mike Hemming. Crowbarring it in. Crowbarring it in. Um, um, Welsh boy Mick suggested <laughs> Florian Fritz to the tune of Ballroom Blitz by Sweet, which <laughs> I really like. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, One more, there, then. There's... Uh, Oh, how do you how do you pick one more? <laughs> so many. I mean, um, oh, oh, I, I enjoyed somebody saying that Jay Wood said that Toto's Rosanna, but Habana instead. Yes. Like, Didn't they say somebody did they actually did that on South African uh, television? South African radio station did it. Um, not not knocking on Rob Evans' door. Yeah. Losing my Tim Swinson. That is a very good one. That's a very good one, isn't it? Um. Oh God, there's there's just too many. It's right. like I'm 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 like I'm Sean Holly songs blind. <laughs> money, money, money. It's a rich man's world by Mike Hemmings again. That's a great one. Ugh, it's right. too much. Thank you very much for keeping them coming in. We will keep we're, we'll keep looking back at this. Yeah. Don't don't let yourself be downhearted yeah. by by rugby Croatia's opus. Yeah. Don't don't be sure. intimidated. There's still there's, yeah. Don't be. You don't have to write the entire lyrics to a song. Just, just a punny song title or a couple of a couple of couplets. That's all you need. If it's funny, we'll laugh. <laughs> Apropos of nothing, uh, this week mm. on Twitter, I was reminded of uh, from a few years ago uh, the gentleman. What, what would you call him? A gentleman rogue that is Brendan Venter. 
Um, I Doctor, gentleman, rogue, yes. wanker, and he is. Yeah. The interview that he did in 2011 when his team, the Saracens team at that time, lost to Northampton, I believe, in the European Cup semi-final, I believe. And um, Was it the cheating one or was this the three cheers for Sorelli Bobbo one? That one. Oh, three cheers. That was, uh, was it Racing? Claremont or Racing? I can't remember. I anyway, Claremont. they've lost and it's this, yeah. and it's just him. He knows he has to do an interview, but this is how he deals with it. Brendan, how disappointed are you? Oh, disappointed. Very disappointed. Very disappointed. What went wrong? Because you got off to such a wonderful start. Yeah, it's <laughs> interesting. I wonder what went wrong. I have to think about it. Think about it. Well, what did go wrong? I'll have to look look and think about it. Think about it deeply. Very deeply. Did it hinge <laughs> in the end on a bit of genius from Sorelli Bombo? Bit of genius. Bit of magic. Sorelli Bombo. Very interesting. Very good, yeah. <laughs> very good. Three cheers for Sorelli Bombo. Very good. Very good. <laughs> What were you happy with about your side? Oh, happy. Happy everything. Everything. Very good. Very happy with my team. But you didn't win, did you, Brendan? Yeah, win. We didn't win. It's true. Yeah. Why didn't you win? win, Oh, good question, that. Very good question. (laughs) Win. It's it's important to win. It is important to win. We must try harder. Absolutely, yeah. So you think it's a lack of effort? Oh, lack of effort, lack of effort. Can't think it's a lack of effort. Wouldn't never... So so, so what is it, Brendan? Uh, What would it be? Let me think. Uh, I can't... I'm not sure. I'll have to think about that one. Think about it deeply. Okay, thank you, Brendan. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Brendan. <laughs> Apparently, that's from um, that's because on the bus to the game, mm-hmm. Saris were watching. Um, I like for the life of me, I don't know why they were watching this, but they were watching Mike Bassett, England manager, on the bus to the oh, game. Oh yeah, there, the that is a scene of Ricky that, isn't Tomlinson it? vehicle. Yes. Um, and there is basically a carbon copy scene where the manager's going doing that, basically just giving like they basically. I think it's a piss take of Phil Neal, isn't it? Who was like yeah. that with Graham Taylor in that documentary many moons yeah. ago. I mean, this is just things where he's like, yeah, interesting, disappointed, very disappointed, like he's repeating these things. But like, I, I vividly, weirdly remember watching that game and then watching the interview. I I remember the three cheers for Sorelli Bobo, but it's one of my favourite things that's ever happened. He's just such a shit house, isn't he? An unapologetic shit house. He's just you got to admire it, really. It, right? Yeah. I mean, it was just so weird because I remember that game. Saris were piss poor that game. It was Racing Metro, wasn't it? As they were at the time. I can't remember. I, I didn't look that and, up. Poorly, yeah. pre- poorly prepared, you'd be surprised to hear. Yeah, Saris were basically, like, they, they started quite well. They scored a couple of tries, but they just got, it was that era where Saris were getting out-muscled and out-gutted by French teams quite regularly in Europe. Mm. And they just pissed the game away at home, I think it was. And, yeah, it was just, it was one of those ones where, it's just so odd, and it was just such a dickhead move because you had to feel for it. Martin Gillingham, wasn't it? The Sky yeah, Sports. He was, yeah. He was obviously You've getting got... quite irate, wasn't he? Yeah, he was just like, "Why are you being a prick, mate? Come on, just give me some fucking answers here." And I have sympathy with players and coaches who have to, you know, get hauled in front of the press after having lost a particularly hard game and all that shit. But God, it was weird. And that was a bit much, wasn't it? So, Brendan Venter, the gift that never stops giving. 
Right then, before we do shit good, let's do uh, a latest player spotted. Thank you very much for all of your player spotted coming in. Don't forget you can get in touch with us at Blood and Mud at Josh Gardner or you better by email, I think. You can do it. You can direct message me, DM me. You can do it on the Facebook page. You can go Lee at bloodandmud.com. You could send it to Josh, but he'll just send it to me. So just, you know, almost certainly. Cut out, you know, don't make, put more clicks in than are needed. So Thomas Richardson emails this week. Four years ago, he's been holding on to this one for a while. Wow. Four years ago. Waiting for us to come along. My, yeah, exactly. If only <laughs> one day there will be a pod that wants to hear about my spotting of players. Four years ago, my wife and I were in Paris for a cousin's wedding. We arrived late and checked into our hotel before heading around the corner to the hotel's recommended restaurant. The restaurant was empty apart from a couple sitting by the corner. The waiter obviously wanted to create an illusion of a crowded restaurant, so we sat us down next to them, at which point I realised the male half of the other couple was none other than Michael Phillips. Well, who was he with? With a woman. Unidentified well, obvious, woman. Obviously. I bet, she was a, the other week. I bet she was a blinder, whoever she was, knowing Mike. Yes. Well, Mike got married in Did he? the other week. Oh, That's the, the, the whole the of Wales, half of Wales is weeping well, yes, into it, it the into their faggots right Phillips now. Thing ever. Basically, he just posted, nobody knew that he was even engaged. And he just posted a photo. Yeah, you like, wait yeah, till Hello Magazine comes out next month. <laughs> Very good point. Excellent point. So he's there with Mike Phillips. Now, this would have thrilled my Welsh brother, and despite not sharing his misfortune of being born on that side of the River Severn, ooh, English and Welsh brothers. Mm. Odd. I was eager to share it with my wife. I faced two problems, though. First, as an Italian, she might have recognised Sergio or Castro, but sadly her knowledge of Philip Scum half-skills, i.e. being a cocky prick, meant I had little hope for her recognising him. My second problem was that he was practically sitting right next to her. I decided to prevent any chance of inflating Phillips' ego by speaking in Italian. My Italian now is not bad, but four years ago it was mediocre at best. I tried nonetheless to reveal her proximity to the to the rugby greatness without being rumbled. I figured it would be best if I didn't use the Italian word for rugby because it's rugby, and that might have actually rumbled, rumbled me. <laughs> <laughs> Said so. Even I, Mike would have probably said, got you there. Yeah, I whispered something along the lines of, and I'm going to try and read Italian now, everyone. I'm very sorry. And I'm sorry to you, Thomas. It, um, along the lines of, C'è un uomo vicino a noi, c'è che giocia il mio sport preferito per Gales. There is a man, which translates as, there's a man near us who plays my favourite sport for Wales. My pronunciation wasn't the clearest, so she couldn't quite, quite catch the last word and replied much louder, Gales! Now Mike must have played <laughs> against Italy a few times. His head yeah. spun round very quickly and he recognised the Italian word for Wales <laughs> and he basically looked straight at my wife. I bet you were shitting yourself then, Thomas, because once yeah. Mike's eyes lock on, you, you know, you, you could be losing it. Cold steel. Cold steel, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Transfixed by my wife's death stare, my wife did a proper flight Lieutenant McDonald and uttered an apologetic, sorry. Our cover blown, <laughs> we continued our dinner conversing in English while Mike continued to woo his dining companion. He said, I apologise for procrastinating at su- for deviating at such length, but, you know, as masters of the art, I didn't think you'd be too worried. No, you're right, I'm not worried at all. That's correct. All of the most incidental and unnecessary details are better, as far as we're concerned. That had everything. That had a foreign country, yeah. a, a romantic yeah. liaison, Mike Phillips, yeah. Italian. Yeah, a sort of weird meat keep. It's a, um, <laughs> it's a weird meat keep, yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike Phillips his coveting his wife. Phillips, <laughs> yeah, you know? That's who he got married to in secret. <laughs> we're well, sorry, Thomas. Is your wife now married sorry. to... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I've attracted Mike Phillips' attention and now my love is gone. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas, for that play spotted. That was great. If, please keep sending them in. Spare no mundane detail. Let's do shit good, shall we? Yes, I feel like we should rattle through these as we've been fucking banging on this month, haven't we? <laughs> Uh, it's your fault for the fucking Chiefs racism ranting. I know, At least I know. 15 um, minutes has taken up with that. Go, go on, you start. You should have factored that shit in. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes. Shit. Uh, Francis Saeli. Yes. DME, liability in defence. He doesn't look like, like he that. should be a liability in defence, does he? No, he looks well, like he, he should is, be much I mean, better. When he's being a shit-ass thug, he's fine. But when he's actually trying to tackle legally, he's fucking awful. And yeah... It's a pretty rough way to end your Munster career, let's be honest. Yes, it is. Spend 80 minutes flailing at Scarlet's outside Hold backs on. every much... single time they run at you. And it was kind of endemic, because when you look at um, uh, Ty Burns' try, mm. you know, I mean, you know, I admire his strength and his pivot and oh, spin. absolutely. But even so, that as a defensive team, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself for letting, oh, letting awful, him score that especially, try. Yeah, he basically just did a little weird, very slow pirouette. <laughs> he did a zebo. He did a zebo pirouette twice zebo, in the space of a metre. Which is a lot more than fucking Simon Zebo did. Yeah, I'm, I'm turning around now. I will be turning left. <laughs> I'm coming round now. Always Here baffled us. Here I go. Fuck me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Haskell. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna just. Yes. I'm gonna. Thank I'm gonna you, say Josh. Say this so you don't have to. Thank you, Josh. I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of people basically say, "Oh, doesn't he put himself in the lion's contingent with all those tackles he made?" No, you shit. Like he will tackle all day long, and he'll miss a few. By the way, that's fine. But he offers nothing else. <laughs> nothing. Like he missed four tackles. Do- four tackles Did on Saturday. Really? Wow. And dropped That's not good, a it? number well, the, of balls. Oh god, he was an absolute team killer. On, on like people are delighted in slating Dan Lydiot for being incredibly one-dimensional. Yeah, but basically Dan Lydiot is a significantly better version of James Haskell. I had two people he sat, never misses one. I had two people whereas, sat near me who did mm. that thing that people always do about him. Oh, he does work hard though, isn't he? Doesn't he? Yes, he does. A donkey works hard. Yeah. You know, you want one of them in the shirt for your team. He doesn't offer anything outside of tackling. He doesn't carry well. He doesn't carry hard. He just doesn't do anything. It's... I don't know whether he's still injured from that two. He's still not fully fit, I don't think. He does look... He looks as bad as as I've seen him. He does, yeah. He has retreated back into probably 18 months, two years. Before his England... Yeah. Rebirth. Resurgence. Yeah, no, definitely. He's kind of returned to normal. Yeah, speaking of players who once shined quite brightly but have gone to shit, it feels a long time since CJ Stander was getting all those Man of the Match awards every week. It it worryingly does, doesn't it, seeing as he's obviously like, off now to try and destroy the All Blacks. Yeah, like since the Six Nations, he has been injured, and but he just looks very fatigued. And like in the last He's got two very weeks, little impact. That's the thing. Yeah, he was all, he's, all, shocked... he's normally incredible impact, isn't he? But yeah, he's been anonymous. Like it shocked me that he played eighty minutes of the final because I assumed that he got subbed off at some point because I don't remember hearing his name for the last half hour. Like he looks exhausted, he looks banged up, and that is bad for the Lions. I mean, the thing is, by May in a rugby season, you should look exhausted and banged up because don't forget, oh, Munster yeah. have been to the final stages of every competition they've been in. 
Yeah, no, this is very and true. And he's played every game for Ireland, and he's travelled to Chicago, yeah. and he's played the All yeah. Blacks twice. It's you know, yeah. it's, it's no, a he, long he's old had season. He's had another long season, and he is showing that the tread on the tyres there is very low. What other shit have we got here? Tom George on Twitter got in touch at Blood and Mud. He said, shit, is the WRU's continuing reluctance to pick James Davis despite outstanding performance after outstanding performance? We did this last week, um, which is not to say we shouldn't recognise it again. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think I don't think he fits into what they want. His face doesn't fit, does it? No. I mean, he said he said after the game that um, you know, oh, I'm never going to change who I am and what I am for a couple of caps. <sighs> I wonder if you know when they say change. You know, if they're talking about his personality, they need to, they're saying basically stop being a fucking dickhead and doing occasional dickhead things, please. <laughs> And I wonder if the end of his career, if he finishes his career up with zero caps, will he go, oh, I wish I hadn't been such a fucking bellend and I'd just got a few Wales caps. Yeah, you don't want to be there when you're 35, do you? No, and like, you don't want to be Phil Dolman, do you? No. (laughs) Speaking of which, fucking hell, that guy's luck. That's some bad luck, isn't it? Yeah, I really hope that he isn't out the tour because that's just fucking horrendous to be thirty-two and get your first Wales call up. Who, who will who will they pick now? Who's not Dan Evans? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, but yeah, I mean, even Dan Evans can say Welsh international Dan Evans, even though they clearly hate him. And it's <laughs> yeah. it, yeah, it's. I just think, I mean, James Davis is a character. Like the funniest part of the whole Pro Twelve final for me was. That him and John Davis being interviewed at the end of the game on Saturday, and John Davis basically going, "Oh, all I'm thinking about now is I can't miss my flight to New Zealand tomorrow." Yes. And James just and James just pops in and, says, and, he's, and it's my job to ensure that he does, <laughs> and which is brilliant dickhead behaviour, and we all delight in it in the same way that we delighted in Andy Powell in the day but I don't think any of us would deny that Andy Powell's personality did get in the way of his career a bit and I hope it doesn't happen to James Davis. Speaking of behaving strange after the, the final whistle did you see Rob Evans jumping up on the table and giving it the full monkey dance? Great wasn't it? <laughs> All 18, 19 stone of him good man. He was clearly very hyped up. Because he was he did very excited. Walk up, he walked over to Samson Lee and punched him in the stomach apropos of nothing and Samson very nearly <laughs> took his head off in response which was hilarious. Samson don't, Samson don't play at any time. Yeah. Hell you that. do not fucking hit me, son. He has literally zero chill, yeah. uh, and we were, we we wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely, he's scared of no fucker, and he'll tolerate no fucking about. Basically, exactly, exactly. Uh, picking up on what you said before, the generic barman picked up uh, saying that shit was CJ Stander playing for a full eighty minutes, three times out of four since returning from his injury. And Eras- even what? Erasmus admits he should have only played about fifty in each game in a push. <laughs> right, that's not good. That's is bad, it? isn't it? Yeah. Um, Andy and Brom, I enjoyed, and I did enjoy it. Stuart Barnes saying that Munster had the best defence in the Premiership <laughs> in his commentary, which, yeah, I mean, there are Freudian slips and there are Freudian slips. I also enjoyed Stuart Barnes seizing on the first mistake that Liam Williams made in about a month to basically question his Lions credentials because he's pulling so fucking hard for Jack Noel and Elliot Daly that it's not even funny. Um, ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Kevin Heaney, yeah. speaking of uh, and, and on Munster, Kevin Heaney said shit is Munster paying £1 million over two years for a centre that can't defend. 
when they had a better centre, Rory Scandal in their academy. I think hindsight's a wonderful thing, to be it honest. Is a bit it's not a bad thing, isn't it? Sayley was and Sayley, on the face Sayley's of it a very good sign. one monster a few games as well. Let's not beat around the bush. Even it, with his shit houseery, he's done it, yeah. With his shit houseery, he's won a few games. That's he's, yeah, You take any win away, anywhere you can get it at that kind of, at that level. So, yeah, I think it's a bit harsh to judge him by one game on his entire two-year career, isn't it, really? He was shite, though. <laughs> he was shite, yeah. We're not denying that. We're just saying, you know, yeah. maybe you can't write off the last two years yeah. because of it. So we'll be on to good. Yeah. Uh, yes, definitely. Although you could also throw in the entirety of Munster's back three in the dog shit pile if we're going to... Which nothing gives you greater pleasure, does it? You must have been oh. gutted when Keith Earls was given that try. Well, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it, statistically, he's going to end up as like Munster's record try scorer or something when he finishes his career, and it's all going to be tried like that. <laughs> right, good. Um, good. I've got Nathan one. Hughes. Oh, go on, go on then, Nathan Hughes. Nathan Hughes, fucking magnificent. I, I, I may have, you may have well picked up that I'm something of a Hughes sceptic. I don't, I think he's slightly overrated. However, holy shit, he was magnificent. In the first Saturday half an like hour, some, he looked like he was half, the only one who cared in that Wasps team. Yeah, actually, first, some of those hits he put in in the first half hour were monstrous in the best sense of the word and yeah and that pen he conceded that allowed Exeter to tie it up was a bit harsh as well I we thought. forgot to mention in shit or at any point at this point Jimmy Gopeth's non-kick <clears throat> yeah what was that about that was just as I said at the time I've never seen anything like that and I played in third team in <laughs> South Wales East Division 4 it was weird, wasn't it? Unbelievable. He must have had a complete mental. As he dropped the ball, he must have just thought, oh, "I don't want to kick the ball." Oh, I don't. Oh shit! I've just no, dropped oh, it. On the oh floor. shit! Oh yeah. And it's so on him, isn't it? It was totally. Well, he it, kind of he switched himself back on after about twenty minutes, twenty-five minutes, and got his act together. But it was a a funny first twenty-five well, it minutes. Basically, you know, the, the golden rule that he's been crowned Premiership Player of the season, and karma is going to come for you in the I end. I thought it was going to that, but then he actually did turn it on and actually start doing some decent stuff because he is quality. Yeah. Mm. yeah, good for me was uh, Don Armand, who did get man of the yes. match on Saturday. He hangs around on the wing a lot, weirdly, a bit like bit bit of a bit Tom Croft esque, a bit Tom yeah. Croft esque. But he's obviously that's what he's told to do. So. Mm. But if you, I mean, to come back to the Haskell thing, you know, if England, he's been called to England squad today, actually, but if you want to talk about a hard-working physical seven who's actually effective, then maybe they should be looking Bingo at Bingo Bango, yeah. Even with that disgraceful Barnet. I mean, Exeter is... Oh, it's unbelievable. Last. It's, a, it's, it's almost like, I mean, Jack Knowles is exactly the same. The, the shitter his haircut gets the better he seems to play. And clearly the rest of the squad have 100% taken that on board. Any and good he's working for them. So fairly. Any good from you? Uh, yes. Uh, speaking of Exeter, Gareth Deanson. Is he the most underrated and unheralded player in Europe? Because seven years ago, he kicked Exeter into the Prem. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was still there kicking them to the title speaks so much of his quality, his consistency, his durability, to be honest. Yeah, because he's not the biggest and, lad, is he? No, and the fact that he can probably still go into Tesco's in Exeter, let alone anywhere else without getting recognised, <laughs> seems very odd. Um, 
yeah, how has he not been Capo Island? How have England not sniffed Especially around him a little this bit? Especially this year, when they've had Keatley yeah. on the bench. Ian fucking yeah. Keatley on the bench. Yeah. And Gareth Steenson doesn't warrant a squad call-up. Madness. No, well, it's like he's, you know, he's almost, he's England qualified now. Obviously, he's been living here long enough. Yeah. So, it's amazing in England's fucking search for fly-offs a couple of years ago. He wasn't at least in the equation at some point. Well, given the fact that England obviously talk a good game but don't actually deliver on any of it by the Solomona thing, you know, they, yeah. that wouldn't phase them at all, you wouldn't think. No, not even slightly. Yeah. Yeah. What else has got? Jonathan Davis. Oh, God. Talk about hitting Lions form at the right time. He's going to start a test for the Lions. People are going to go fucking ape shit, and it's going to be really, really, really funny. That's my yes. prediction. But uh, absolutely, but and the people who go up shit will be the people who didn't watch the last <laughs> two games of the season because he has been superb. Yeah, uh, not would just be... in the way that we expect either. Yeah, and I think that like defense... plus the fact Warren knows him means yeah. it's all oh, he over. Definitely is. It's him or Jonathan yeah. Joseph, and it's all over. Yeah, well, I mean, you look at the way that he defended in the semi-final. Yep, that was one thing. He was incredible. Yep, but. And he did all the usual stuff. He ran some decent lines, sensible kicking. But after 29 years, he demonstrated on Saturday evening that he's also seemingly learned how to pass. Yeah. Because he's, he's yeah, putting he's just... some lovely little touches in. And again, it just shows you that if you get the structure around and you know mm. you can pop the ball, and then you'll do it, won't you? Yeah. You know, if and you know you've got support brilliant. off each shoulder, which obviously that's what they're building in Scarlets, it makes for a be- it makes everybody look better. Yeah. And they were brilliant. I was massively impressed. What else was good? Uh, Bruce McConaughey got in touch on Twitter and said, good was the enemy of revolving doors, John Barkley. Remember that story? (laughs) Uh, John Barkley, who got trapped in a revolving door once uh, with a player spotted, clearly mouthing, yeah, baby, when lifting the trophy, which is an underused phrase these days. (laughs) Yes, I agree with you. It's a little bit Ace Ventura Pet Detective. It is, exactly. It's a little bit, um, uh, no, it's not, Mm. what was his name? Austin Powers. That was yeah, baby, wasn't it? Yes, it is. Same guy. It's Austin Powers, isn't it? Yes. Um, it wasn't the same guy at all. We got, yeah. No. So, yeah, so yeah, that was good. And then followed by, obviously, Rob Evans doing the monkey. So, yeah, it was a wonderful yes. celebration. <laughs> I love Rob Evans. That monkey, versus yeah. a millionaire in a racist hat. Which one would you rather have? Yeah. But let's not go back there. About that. Yeah. Any more good um, from you? Good for me. Uh, London Irish. Back yes. in the Prem, first time. Congratulations to them, and particularly massive credit to Nick Kennedy, who first ever season of director of rugby, at Irish, um, managed to negotiate something that some more experienced coaches, <coughs> Andy Robinson, um, <laughs> have struggled with. You know, he got them back in the big time. Obviously, he had a better squad than everybody else. He had fucking all blacks in his team, for God's sake. Um, you know, Owen mm. Franks at championship level was incredibly unfair <laughs> but um he played I, shit I, I, the year they went down though he was fucking awful he did but watching it watching what he i've only really watched them in the the uh, knockout stages but watching what he was doing to championship level loose heads was incredible it was just unfair he was just demolishing them in an entirely unfair way but um yeah you know best squad obviously but that doesn't mean a lot look at Bristol for the last seven years they had the best they've always had yeah, the best squad in the they've always do, struggled um, so yeah fair play to them a massive credit to them and uh, commiserations to Leeds but yeah you know ben, two good teams Ben MH got in touch Molono on Twitter and he said good was Daniel, 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 
for refusing to take uncontested scrums, even though it would have helped yes. Wasps, as you mentioned yes. before. But also, he then followed up with a tweet later on, almost like he sent that one and then sat there and thought about it a bit more, then came back about 30 seconds later and went, in fact, just die young full stop. Everything about die young. It's like, yes, <laughs> yes. I completely agree. I could not be more on board with that. He's absolutely magnificent. He spent the entire game in a long sleeve shirt, which was putting a shift in, by the way, on die. Yes. <laughs> long sleeve shirt. <laughs> it was warm. On it was Saturday. bloody warm. He was, he, was, he was red like a beacon. He had, he had, his, <laughs> he had his tie done up with the full top button done up for the entirety of the day, even in the press conference afterwards, he still had not loosened his tie. That, that is, is proper Welsh social club on a Saturday behaviour. Yeah, you stay I mean, in your that, smart that is, clubber, whatever happens. Yes, I couldn't agree more. I remember there was a, it, a, a South Wales guy who used to drink in my granddad's pub, and his son, he was called Keith, and his son Mark was a similar age to me, and we used to go out on a Saturday, and obviously I just go in whatever I was in that day. And Mark would always have a tie on and stuff, despite being my age. And I said to Keith, his dad, was, I said, Keith, why's Mark always got a tie on on Saturday? And he said, I don't, I don't care what the bloody hell he's doing rest of the week. Out with his dad, Saturday night, respectable. And that kind of makes me think. And that's what Die Young's all about. And I respect that. Yes. Yes. I, I think that is basically... It's old school, isn't it? it and is. that is what Dai Young is in every he way. He didn't even roll He's his sleeves school. up. His cuffs were still down. He must have been sweating pints. It was boiling oh, in God. there. He probably, he was basically, was this some sort of elaborate weight loss thing? <laughs> Did he have cling film <laughs> under his shirt? Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yeah. Oh, I got very close to the pie monkey, by the way, on pitch side. Oh, did you? Oh, yeah. my God, that's exciting. He's, he's in good shape. He's quite ripped because he obviously has to bring the oh. pies. He doesn't eat them, does he? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> he brings the pies. He doesn't eat them. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can imagine if he did that try to be, eat one. The fuck are you doing? That should be his business card. <laughs> yeah. I bring the pies. I, bring the fu- I don't eat them. I bring the fucking pies. I don't eat them. <laughs> well, yeah, he's just, I just love everything about that. He's just sat, they were still interviewing him in that massively tight game. I didn't hear it because I was at the game, but you can still see him sat there having to put those cans over the microphone. Oh, I know. He's Are you getting on, Dai? I'm fucking boiling, to tell you the truth. <laughs> don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> well, yeah, and he, half time, he looked absolutely fuming. He looked hot of temper and hot of brow as he stormed down those I, stairs. Yes, I would imagine that he uh, was probably quite angry. Um, but anyway, yes, I went on a full Die Young love in there. People who say that we're negative about we're... things, you know, not when it comes to Die Young. This is the thing. When we go for it, him, Baptiste Saran, Yannick Josion, people like that, I will love forever. They get my undivided Absolutely. loyalty. Why not? Anyway, anything else from you, Goodwise? Uh, oh, other things should be for good. I think I might be done, actually. Yeah, that's me for good. Uh, Anything else from Twitter while I'm here? Yeah. The I pen think... got in touch, and it is true. He, shit and good. Shit was Munster not being able to do it for Axel. That is a bit sad. It would have been a wonderful end to the season for him, wouldn't it? It would have been. I, I, although I did feel slightly... It got my back up a little bit that Sky's punditry team were alluding to the fact that somehow the pressure of winning it for Axel got to them. Oh, no, when that's not it they've been talk- When they've been talking all season about how that has basically been fueling them to the title, 
It's like you can't have it both ways, lads. It's like either momentum, it's... isn't it? it? Makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense. Yeah, either yeah, either it's fuel or it's a hindrance. It can't be both a fuel and a hindrance, <laughs> depending on which narrative you'd like. It to... can't be an upper and a downer. You can't buy something <laughs> no, like that. It can't. And yeah, it it was a bit of a. It was still, you know, one. but that's not taking anything from Scars. I was very glad they won, but yeah, it was a little bit sad. Right, nothing else from you, no? No, I think I'm done there. Last comment is obviously that the uh, the Lions are, yes. you know, obviously are on a plane and they're off and they're playing on Saturday at Wangarai with an absolute against fucking the... chaotic taxi situation as we've yeah. as we've established. And they're they playing against <laughs> and they're playing against the provincial barbarians. Haircuts fifteen or something that they call. Yes. Um the thing that interests me about this is A, the New Zealand Barbarians uh logo Mm-hmm. Which is, and I quote this from their Wikipedia it's not an page. Indian, is it? It's so brilliant. Um, the the symbol of the New Zealand barbarians is a white leaping lamb covered in blood, <laughs> <laughs> which is that the is most brilliant. metal fucking thing ever. That's brilliant. Oh, I love Look it. The, what? Please tell me they've got it. that as a mascot. Please tell me they've got that as a mascot. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? Oh, they've got to do that. Just, just. Yeah, but anyway, look at the logo. It's literally a prancing lamb with blood around his mouth and blood on his feet as if he's just torn some fucker apart. New Zealand barbarians? Yes. Is that it? Yes. No, I can't see that. I thought only the provincial barbarians or something. Oh, I don't know. I think that they're, they're going under the thing of the New Zealand barbarians. And yeah, look, if, it, it's basically the two crests and then you look above it and there is there he is, the little lamb. Go to the Wikipedia page. I'm on right it now, there. but it looks like it's two badges with two lambs above it. Yeah, but look at those lambs. They are pretty fuming, aren't they? They've got blood on their paws <laughs> and blood on their mouths. <laughs> They're very, um, very angry. Think... Yes, but um, interestingly, I'm not sure how that's going to work because the New Zealand Barbarians usually play in red and the Lions usually play in red and the Lions do not have a second kit. So, Well, it's down to them then, isn't it? You'd imagine so. Hmm. No, it's the Provincial Union 15 is what it is, Josh. It's oh, not that's New Zealand Barbarians, it. yes. That's weird, because yeah, they're... They're playing the Maori called... All Blacks at one point, but it's the Provincial Union because, 15 on Saturday, yeah. then it's the Blues on Wednesday. Right, because they're, yeah, they're calling... On the, on the New Zealand Barbarians Wikipedia page, it says the New Zealand Barbarians squad to play the Lions on the 3rd of June 2017. Well... Which is this Saturday, unless I'm mistaken. No wonder so the taxis are such a fucking shambles. They can't even get the team name right. <laughs> Either way, if I don't see a jersey with a leaping lamb covered in blood on it on Saturday, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Yes, or a mascot at least, yeah. Yes. Um, so right. that's what's happening. And then it's what made, made yeah. me realise, actually, seeing them fly off, because I was at the game on Saturday, is the fact that then the mm. day after they're on the plane, and then Saturday they're playing against this bit of a daft cobble together team. But then Wednesday, they're playing the Blues. They're playing a fucking proper a team. A proper fucking yeah. rugby team. And it's, it's... it's an incredibly short period of time. Yeah, it's it's remarkable that they're expected. You know, they should have, given that it is basically fucking twelve or eighteen hours or whatever it is ahead of us. Yes. They need. They're going to need at least a fortnight to get <laughs> their <laughs> shit together. Like I presume that the ones that haven't been playing in fucking domestic finals have been attempting to get their body clocks right. Yeah, because what are they? Twelve, eleven hours ahead. They're twelve hours ahead of us. So. Yeah, regardless of having to spend 24 hours on a fucking plane, they're going to have to acclimatise in a four days before playing a game of rugby 
and then eight days for playing a fucking serious game of rugby. And then it's so, Crusaders. Crusaders on Saturday. I know. It's then Highlanders. Oh, then the Maori All Blacks. Going to, then Chiefs. Then we're into the tests. Fuck me. It's it's exciting, but at the same time, it's kind of it's an intimidating schedule and it's a taxing schedule. And it's a schedule that I, I'm not entirely sure is very fair on us. But um, such is money, you know. Well, they, they've always they been go... like this, haven't they? It's just that yeah, they've, they've not usually done it in this condensed the time frame, though. You know, last time they did the thing of they went to Hong Kong, they played the Barbarians, and then they went to Australia. And they, a lot of people said that that was really good because it was so fucking hot in Hong Kong that it actually enabled them to do some good fitness stuff and get their shit together. Whereas this time they're just going straight to New Zealand. And I don't know how that's going to pan out. But oh well. well, we will soon find out because it we is finally here. Out. It's it's oh, finally God, it's here. Exciting, isn't it? It is. It's actually, you know what? I've been, we've been sniffy about it, and the promotions and the PR gets a little bit sniffy. Oh, but actually, crazy. I'm following them on Facebook, and they keep showing pictures of them training. And seeing people who are normally trying to so kill each other running in the Lions it's, it's training. Just, it's lovely. It, it, doesn't it get gets old. something it, it going. It doesn't. You're yeah. like a kid again, I mean, aren't you? The reason that I, I tweeted that photo of, of Pascal and Courtney Laws together is because I was so excited about the Lions that I clicked on the Lions link to here's a gallery of the players boarding the plane <laughs> to go to. And I was so, I'm so excited. I was so weirdly interested in it that I was like, oh, I wonder who's sitting together. <laughs> that was that was the basically where I was going. That, That's the kind of research course. we do, ladies and gentlemen, on this pod. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm super excited. Can't wait. However, I have a serious question. To, in fact, two seriously problematic sartorial questions. One, the lion's velour dinner jackets that oh, they wore in the crime. farewell. Absolutely hate per, plum, would you say? Burgundy? Yeah. Plum, I mean, burgundy, it's got, it's, velour? Oof. Yeah, it's got Paul Williams's. Steeler Sotor, <laughs> who is a much more stylish man than either of us. So um, maybe we're in the wrong, but personally... I, do, I don't I, see how that can be possible. They just looked the like... They looked like a weird, like, steroid-addled Hugh Hefner's. Like, they, I'm sure they don't take steroids. I'm just saying that they look like <laughs> Hugh Hefner if he was on steroids. Nice disclaimer. Um, yeah. Smoking and then, of course, jackets, then we had the, um, the Exeter Chiefs suits on their victory parade which were they say it's tweed it looks just like a, it looked like a khaki jacket to me with a pink shirt oh club tie and different colored pants i oh, reckon they must have it. like the barbers they probably have an all-in-one <laughs> grooming salon where you go in get a fucking terrible haircut and then he goes one of these suits mate you look a treat in these and they believe yeah. and what is yeah. with jack Knoll's cruella de vil cut well, I'm just genuinely, genuinely, I, I can't wait to see what he raises his game to for the Lions tour. You know, as you said he, in the tweet, the higher the, the bigger the stage, the more inexplicable the, more, the hair. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's a genuine fascination for me how bad he's gonna he's gonna walk into a fucking barber's in Warrangay and just be like, knuckle crack, do your worst. As long as he doesn't and take I an umbrella with him, a pram. Any branded food. <laughs> Doesn't say anything about terrible haircuts. And that's how he can get in. And I'm assuming he can get a taxi because he won't have a match ticket, so he can't get a bus. He's yep, going to struggle. Exactly. That, ladies and gentlemen, is our <laughs> Lions Tour preview. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing else to be said at the minute. Next week, no. we'll have we'll, we'll see how they got on against yes. that 
that team will that we, finally be over. And then we can talk seriously. We can preview the Blues game and the game the following weekend. Indeed. Thank you all for your time. Thank you, as ever, for your contributions. This has been us for yet another 90-minute epic, and we'll speak to Absolutely. you all next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye. However you like to do it, indoors, outdoors, in the gym or playing the field, you know that being fit comes with benefits. At Lifestyle Sports, we have the sportswear for you. Brands that turn you on. Innovation that gives you the edge and no strings advice. So you can choose life with benefits. Style with benefits. Sports with benefits. Your life, your style, your sports. At lifestylesports.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.